Welcome to the Gridiron Goodies Podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Scott. On today's episode, I will recap the remaining games from the Week 9 slate. We'll dive into the news you need to know. I'll hold myself accountable in this week's bet busting. And then we'll end with a brief recap of how our fantasy football advice went. Week 9 was quite possibly the most exciting week of football this far. We had some games that were supposed to be good that ended up being stinkers. And some stinkers that ended up being good. All of these were anchored by some playoff preview type of matchups. One of which we'll dive into right now. The Miami Dolphins dropped to 6-3 and three, and the Kansas City Chiefs rose to 7-2 and two with a 21-14 victory in Frankfurt, Germany. On a side note, I'm really enjoying these games in Europe. The time slot works perfectly for me, the stadiums are beautiful, and it's nice to see how much the fans are enjoying themselves. I gotta give credit when credit is due. The NFL has done a nice job here. It's a great way to kick off a long day of football. Anyway, back to the game. It started off with the makings of an absolute dud of a game, with Kansas City scoring all of the points in the first half which actually were the only points they would score in total. Justin Watson, whom I shouted out in the preview, actually had the first touchdown for the Chiefs, but the ball was deemed to have hit the ground upon further review and the touchdown called back, paving the way for Rasheed Rice to complete the job. However, I see you, Justin. The Chiefs' next points came from a short pass to Jarek McKinnon, who ran it in the rest of the way for a 17-yard touchdown. Kansas City's next score came from a really cool defensive play. Tua threw a screen pass to Tyreek Hill on the outside, who was blasted by Trent McDuffie, causing a fumble that was picked up by Mike Edwards, who ran out of space and lateraled the ball to Brian Cook, who then ran it the rest of the way for a defensive score, putting the Chiefs up by 21-0 at halftime. Here is where you could clearly see the adjustments being made out of the break. Both teams began to focus more on their rushing attacks, resulting in a few stalled drives for Kansas City and also allowing the Dolphins to find success and make things interesting. With the pass rush in his face all game, Tua was unable to find time for shots down the field, and the Chiefs' sticky coverage was taking the short passing game away. The Dolphins began to lean on Raheem Mostert. He busted a few big runs and the safeties began to creep up, allowing Tua to finally connect with Cedric Wilson on a 31-yard bomb for their first points of the day. The next few Dolphin drives were Mostert heavy, and they finally found success moving down the field. He came away with a touchdown of his own, and was a major part of the final drive, which got them within scoring distance to tie the game. In sort of an anticlimactic fashion, this game ended on a fourth down snap that Tua couldn't bring in and ended their chances of a comeback. Both of these defenses did a great job of forcing adjustments on their opposition. The Chiefs took away what the Dolphins were good at, and the Dolphins took away what the Chiefs were good at. The difference here being Patrick Mahomes was able to find targets not named Kelsey, and the Dolphins moving to their run game way too late. Overall, I'm really glad this game wasn't a dud, and ended up being a really great way to start off my day of football watching. Up next, we have the Seattle Seahawks, falling to 5-3 and three with a 3 to 37 blowout loss to the now 7-2 Baltimore Ravens at home. This game was one of the duds I was referring to earlier. While I did expect the Ravens to win, 
I did not expect them to do so in such a dominating performance. Baltimore took turns running through arm tackles and straight into the end zone. Gus Edwards got the score fest started with one of his two touchdowns on the day. A new name to remember is rookie Keaton Mitchell, who had a monster game of 138 yards including a 40-yard touchdown run, which wasn't even his longest for the day. He also had a 60-yarder. He may warrant an immediate fantasy waiver. Lamar Jackson even got in on the action, coming away with 60 yards on 10 rushes. In the passing game, Lamar relied heavily on Mark Andrews, who had 9 catches for 80 yards. OBJ was more involved and had 57 yards on 5 catches, and his first touchdown as a Raven. Seattle tried to get their passing game going with JSN and Tyler Lockett, but both had fairly mediocre days. JSN led the team in yards with 63. Now I hope you guys are listening closely to my preview episodes. I called for a little Gino on Gino crime, even sprinkling a little dough on it, and it paid out beautifully when Gino Stone came away with a pick off of Gino Smith. Moments like this are evidently rocket launching off the couch inducing. I'll try to include more of these in my best bets segments. Overall, the Ravens defense snuffed out a middling offense of the Seahawks, and their defense did a poor job of defending Baltimore's crazy rushing attack. The race for the top of that division is going to be intense. Moving on to our next game, we have the Dallas Cowboys who fell to 5-3 with a 23-28 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles, who now sit comfortably atop the NFC East at 8-1. This game was everything that was built to us. The Cowboys were a couple of really close plays away from completing a comeback win, but ultimately an Eagles defensive stand kept Dallas from stealing this game. Dak Prescott had a really good game. He went for 375 yards on 29 completions and 3 touchdowns. CeeDee Lamb had a ridiculous day and was Dak's primary target, hauling in 11 catches for a whopping 192 yards. While he was a menace at moving the ball down the field, he was kind enough to let his teammates do the scoring. Jake Ferguson, once a recipient of this, was who Dak looked for in gotta-have-it situations, moving the sticks multiple times and coming away with 91 yards on 7 catches and the aforementioned touchdown. For the most part, the Cowboys' offense was one-dimensional. The Eagles, on the other hand, split their score exactly in half with their well-balanced attack. Jalen Hurts and Kenneth Gainwell both scored on the ground, and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith both scored through the air. While A.J. Brown did score, he was kind of quiet in this game, only coming away with a third of the production that we're used to. He had 66 yards on 7 catches. The Cowboys did a great job of limiting his yak production. This did open the door for Devontae Smith, however, who was a thorn in the Cowboys' side in both the short and deep passing game. Overall, both of these defenses played great, and both offenses did a great job of taking what was given. I'm glad we get at least one more rematch between these two teams. Up next, we have the Buffalo Bills, who fall to 5-4 with an 18-24 loss to the now 5-3 Cincinnati Bengals at home. Joe Burrow is all the way back, and this Bengals team looks very dangerous. He threw for almost 350 yards on 31 completions and 2 touchdowns. He decided to celebrate tight ends day a couple weeks late 
with both of his touchdown passes going to his tight ends, Irv Smith and Drew Sample, respectively. The Bills' newly formed secondary did a decent job against Jamar Chase, only allowing 41 yards on four catches. But where one opportunity ends, another one begins. T. Higgins had a very productive game, totaling 110 yards on eight receptions. Outside of a mix and touchdown, neither team could really get much going in the running game. Josh Allen led his team in rushing yards with 44 and even scored on the ground, but he had somewhat of a roller coaster performance throughout the air. Allen threw for 258 yards on 26 completions. He had a big interception to Cam Taylor Britt, but was also able to find Stephon Diggs for a touchdown. Diggs would end his day with 86 yards on 6 catches. Dalton Kincaid was Josh's main guy. He led the team with 11 targets and 10 receptions for 81 yards. Overall, the Bengals looked fairly dominant against a team they may see again in the playoffs. This next game fell a little short of expectations as the Chargers improved to 3-4 with a decisive 27-6 win over the Jets, who fell to 4-3 on their season. With a combination of bad offensive lines against good defensive lines, both of these quarterbacks were running for their lives. L.A. ended up doing a better job of adjusting to this. The Jets' defense sacked Justin Herberts a total of five times and did a great job of limiting big shots down the field. The Chargers adjusted for this and switched to quick passes and the running game to get their offense moving. Fortunately for them, however, their defense made it so they didn't have to go very far. Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen were once again the main focus of this offense. Eckler didn't have a huge game on the ground yardage-wise, but he did score twice, and Allen had 77 yards on 8 catches. While LA was able to switch gears and try something different, the Jets were not. The Chargers defense honed in on stopping Brees Hall in the running game, forcing the Jets passing game to earn the win. Hall was held to just 50 yards on 16 carries. Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, and friends were all over Zach Wilson, sacking him eight times and forcing two takeaways in the form of fumbles. Overall, I feel like if the Jets are forced to try to win on the shoulders of Zach Wilson, they won't, and the opposing teams know this. I don't foresee his season getting much better. As for the Chargers, their offense is still struggling more than I thought they would be coming into this year. However, that defense is beginning to come together and may help steal more games while they try to solve this issue. And that will conclude our watchable games list. Let's move on and check out the results of our speed round games. First, we have the Vikings 31-28 victory over the Falcons. Minnesota improves to 5-4 on the year, while Atlanta drops to 4-5. Jaron Hall started this game for the Vikings and looked good early on but that all ended when he was knocked out with a concussion. Josh Dobbs entered the game and struggled early, to say the least. He was sacked for a safety and then turned the ball over twice on fumbles. But after that, he looked great and led the team to a come-from-behind victory. Up next, we had the Browns' shutout victory over the Cardinals, 27-zip. Cleveland now sits at 5-3, while Arizona falls to 1-8 on the season. Amari Cooper had a big day, totaling 139 yards on five catches from Scummy McScumbag, who's back in the driver's seat of this offense. Their defense is also a D no one wants to see, and barely allowed Clayton Toon out of the parking lot. 
He threw for just 58 yards and had two interceptions. Moving on, we have the Packers' 20-3 victory over the Rams. Green Bay improves to 3-5, while LA drops to 3-6 on the year. Brett Rippon had a bad game, with one interception and two fumbles, losing one of those. For the Packers, both Aaron Jones and Luke Musgrave were a major factor in this win. Up next, we had the Commanders' 20-17 win over the Patriots. Washington is now 4-5, while the Patriots fall to 2-7 on the season. Sam Howell had a really bad red zone interception, but was decent all game. Ramondre Stevenson had over 100 total yards and one touchdown, but ultimately his team fell just short. Moving on, we have the Saints' 24-17 victory over the Bears. New Orleans improves to 5-4, while Chicago drops to 2-7 on the year. The Saints' defense came up big. They had three interceptions on Tyson Bajant, two of them by Paulson Adebo. Derek Carr spread the ball around more, and Taysom Hill found the end zone yet again. Up next, we had the Texans' 39-37 win over the Buccaneers. Houston is now 4-4, four four, while Tampa Bay falls to 3-5 on the season. This was an intense back-and-forth game that came down to whoever had the ball last. Houston had no running game, and C.J. Stroud had a record-breaking day because of this. He threw for over 450 yards and had five touchdowns. Tank Dell, Dalton Schultz, Noah Brown, and Nico Collins all scored and had a big day. Houston also lost their kicker early on and had to rely on running back Dare Agumbawale, who did well, but it also led to some play selections that wouldn't have been options on the table otherwise. Mayfield and the Bucks brought a more balanced attack offensively. Baker played well, but so did Rashad White, both on the ground and in the air. Mike Evans and Kate Otten provided most of the yardage in the passing game, and Otten scored twice. Moving on, we had the Colts' 27-13 victory over the Panthers. Indianapolis improves to 4-5 while Carolina drops to 1-7 on the year. Bryce Young struggled big time to say the least, throwing a total of three interceptions, two of them resulting in pick sixes by Kenny Moore. Jonathan Taylor and the offense didn't have to do much since the defense did most of the scoring. He was able to end the day with the only offensive touchdown, however. Up next, we had the Raiders' 30-6 win over the Giants. Vegas is now 4-5, while New York falls to 2-7 on the season. Max Crosby and the Raiders' defense were in the face of whoever was at quarterback all game long. They came away with a total of 8 sacks. Daniel Jones left the game early with a knee injury and accounted for two of those. The rest went to Tommy DeVito, who replaced him. Aside from Saquon Barkley, this offense couldn't do much. Josh Jacobs and the Raiders' offense, on the other hand, faced little resistance, and he scored twice. The overall vibe with the Raiders has definitely improved from the interim head coach bump. Moving on to the news you need to know, the aforementioned knee injury that Daniel Jones suffered against the Raiders was confirmed to be an ACL tear, and he will be out for the remainder of the season. With Tyrod Taylor still questionable, it looks like the Giants will rely on the services of Tommy DeVito once again. In other knee news, Jalen Hurts seemed to have injured his in the game against the Cowboys. It looks to be nothing serious, and this is a great time for his bye week and he is not expected to miss any game time. 
Moving on to some arm news, Jalen's teammate and tight end Dallas Goddard broke his arm and will be out for roughly four weeks. Moving away from injury news and on to some quarterback news, Arthur Smith has decided that Taylor Heineke will get the start in next week's game against Arizona. On the flip side of that matchup, the Cardinals have decided to name Kyler Murray as theirs. And lastly, Josh Dobbs has been named the starter for the Vikings moving forward. With that being said, we will conclude this episode's news you need to know. Let's go ahead and take a quick break right here. Alright, welcome back. Moving on, I'll go ahead and hold myself accountable yet again in this week's bet busting. My straight five bets were first, Mostert to score a touchdown, and he did. Second, AJ Brown to score a touchdown, and he did. Third, Mark Andrews to score a touchdown, and he did not. Fourth, Jonathan Taylor to score a touchdown, and he did. Fifth, I had Jamar Chase to score a touchdown, and he did not. I went 3 for 5 and made money here. Moving on to the results of my parlay bet. My three-leg parlay consisted of the following legs. 1. Jamar Chase over 100 yards receiving, which he did not get. 2nd, I had A.J. Brown over 100 yards receiving, which he also did not get. For the third leg, I had Raheem Mostert over 60 yards rushing which he did hit. I failed this parlay. Overall, I had a really good week of betting. I made some sneaky live bets and doubled down on Mostert and added a Josh Jacobs score, which both turned out well. I also made decent money on the Geno Stone interception. This was one of the best weeks I've had so far. Before I leave you today, let's quickly check in on the results of my fantasy football advice. Here were my top 5 sleeper picks. First, I had Rashid Shahid, who scored 5.2 fantasy points. Second, I had Taylor Heineke, who scored 15.72 fantasy points. Third, I had Kareem Hunt, who scored 9.8 fantasy points. Fourth, I had Justin Watson, who had a touchdown taken away and only scored 3.5 fantasy points. And lastly, I had Josh Downs, who only scored 2. Not a very good day here. Overall, this week was really action-packed, and the remaining weeks all have a really high bar to live up to now. And with that said, we will conclude today's episode. I hope you all enjoyed these games as much as I did, and I will return on Thursday for the TNF preview. I'll see you next time.